0: Hello, my friend. This is Heather. This is the Back to Me podcast, and this is our first monthly book chat episode where every month I'm going to pull down off of my shelf or out of my library card one of the books that I've read that I have thought was interesting and helpful and might give you some ideas of ways to help you get to what you are wanting to get back to, which is, of course, Back to Me. Uh, This week is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. There's so many good little nuggets in it. I've tried to cover some of them within um, the podcast, but as always, have a listen and let me know what you think. Take care. Have an amazing day. Hi, my friends. Welcome. This is the Back to Me podcast, and this is Heather, and I am super excited that you're here. You are going to hear some tips and some tricks and some ideas to help you live your happiest and healthiest self. I call it Back to Me because when you are taking care of yourself, Back to Me, then you can take better care of others, and we can all make the world a better place. This is Wellness Your Way, and I am super happy that you're here. Hello, my friend. I hope you're having an amazing day. This is Heather. This is the Back to Me podcast, and this is a Friday edition. And you may wonder, Heather, where is your celebrity? Because you know that Fridays are one of my favorite days. And you know that I love talking to all of the amazing people who come on and share their wisdom and knowledge with us. And they have not stopped. Don't worry. In fact, I have so many people coming your way. I'm super excited by um, all of the new faces that I've been connecting with. As of today, I've probably talked to about 40 new people that are lined up to bring you some amazing information. But as I promised earlier in the summer, I think I promised or I mentioned that I was going to be starting a new segment and once a month I'm going to come on with um little chat about a book that I'd read that I think would be helpful or interesting. And this is the first episode. This is the first edition of the uh, monthly book chat. Unless that's what I'm calling it right now. It might come up with a cool, super cool name later, but it's our monthly book chat. And this month um, is going to be a book called The Big Leap. I don't know if you've read it, It's by a gentleman named Gay Hendricks. And of course, I wrote so many notes because I'm a note taker. But the front of the book says, conquer your hidden fear and take life to the next level. Now, that's a pretty big promise. Gotta say, conquer your hidden fear. The whole fact that it's hidden is part of the problem, isn't it? But uh, so Gay Hendricks, is was at one point a research psychologist at Stanford University and the book is was recommended to me by a friend so thank you Jen for that and he conveys so many stories of so many experiences and people that he has helped you you have to believe and you can see probably in your own life that we do have what he calls the upper an upper limit problem. So the big leap is about getting out of whatever space you're stuck in, the get out of your own way space and coming to the next level. So that big leap upwards. And for some of us, it is a big leap to get out of this place that we feel like we're stuck in. The sometimes it's a face place we feel like we should be staying in, right? And the book has a way of describing what he calls the upper limit problem and using examples that are really going to help you. You'll probably relate to at least one of the stories. And what the upper limit problem is, is in his observation of people and in what he's seen with the people he's helped. And he even relays a lot of celebrity stories where you can see, oh yeah, okay, I can see that. Is we have this kind of, he calls it an inner thermostat. So we have this inner set point in our lives of what we consider is um, our comfort zone, for lack of a better thing of calling it. So we all have a comfort zone around our weight, uh, how happy we can be, um, how much money we can make, how successful we can be, and he, he, first he lays the groundwork to explain to you what the upper limit is. So he used an example. He had gone, I believe he had gone to lunch with a colleague or something, and he was in his office and he was feeling really happy and calm and relaxed. And he was just having such a good afternoon. And then all of a sudden he started to worry. And he was worrying about his daughter who had gone away to university, even though there was nothing, absolutely nothing that should have caused him to start worrying. But the way he describes it is he realized that he was feeling too good. You know, we always have that, oh, be careful, you know, something bad's going to happen. Um, <laughs> we, we convinced her, we've convinced ourselves that it's a truth, that if things are going well, then something bad is going to happen. So he was worrying about his daughter because he was feeling too good. He said he had hit his upper limit problem, his upper limit of um, his inner thermostat of how happy he should be. And there's plenty of places those those preconceptions, those um, inner set points come from. They could come from, you know, growing up, from experience, from observation of the world. There's basically, it's everything that's brought you to where you are today has created whatever it is for you. But it doesn't mean you're stuck there. So he another good example of an upper limit problem, which is one that people quote all the time, but they don't, I don't know that they really see that um it doesn't have to be this way. So lottery winners are a perfect example of an upper limit problem. If someone was, you know, earning minimum wage and um barely getting by, paying their rent, and they won a huge amount of money and even people who aren't earning minimum wage, regular people win lotteries all the time, Um, they get this huge windfall, right? So they've got tons and tons of money. And within, I think this stat is within about five years, they're usually broke. Again, they've run out of money and they might even be worse off than they were before. And could claim well it's education it's experience with handling money but also a lot of it is um that's not their comfort zone that's not where they feel comfortable in that uh that zone of of wealth that's not where they feel like they belong they might not even feel like they belong there so they'll do things that they wouldn't have done in their other lives they wouldn't have you know built a giant home and bought all these fancy cars and done all of this because that wasn't something within their realm. But suddenly if they have this money, they're like, well, I have to act like this other person who I'm not. And that inadvertently sabotages them. So we have this inner thermostat of where we um, feel that the world should operate. And another interesting example was someone famous, the name escapes me because I read it a while ago, was doing really well. They were super successful. It was someone in the movies. Maybe it was Brad Pitt. I can't remember. Um, someone very famous was, had suddenly hit this huge success and was, you know, awards and accolades. And they had their own, I mean, I think uh, Gay Hendrix. I don't know if he actually spoke to this person or he just uses the entertainment news as his, uh, um, anecdotal evidence. So this person was super famous and doing really well. So they sabotaged their relationship with their long-term partner. And you can see it happens. You know, if if something's going too good in one spot, something goes wrong somewhere else. Is have we secretly you know done it to ourselves? Now the beginning of the book is uh, explaining to you how it works and what it looks like and what to look for. And it it is a big promise that he makes that you'll stop sabotaging yourself. And it's true of every self-help book on the shelves. You can go and see rows and rows and shelves of self-help books. You can read them all and still stay where you are. The thing is that you have to actually Do what the book says, my friends. So um, he takes you first through explaining everything about what he sees as the upper limit problem. He talks about zone of genius and helps has some exercises to help you figure out what is your zone of genius. So he's he's setting you up for success for real. Um, If you go through the exercise, if you go through the process of sitting down and really doing some self-reflection and answering the questions. And you know what? I think for most people, that's actually the hardest part. Is sitting and taking a look at how you are, how you react. And not only that, just also why. Because we're quite critical of ourselves um, in general you know, not everyone in general, I'm generalizing. And we don't always take responsibility for what happens in our lives. I remember when I first, a very long time ago, first started investigating meditation. And um, I've been a regular meditator for, oh Lord, a long time. And meditating, a lot of people I think avoid it because it's just you sitting and observing What's going on inside your brain? It's not. It's not asking you to stop all your thoughts because that's actually pretty much impossible unless you're dead. Um, as far as I know, your thoughts are going to keep going. It's. It's observing them as a detached observer, and um, doing that for a lot of people, if they stopped and observed what went on inside their head, that might upset them a little bit. They might not be very happy with the thoughts that go by. And um, so they avoid it. And it's the same with when you're trying to do self-reflection. I had a friend a long time ago who was uh, serially dating. Every time I went out with this person, he, he had a new girlfriend. And, you know. It wasn't the 60s or anything, (laughs) but one day I just said to him, why don't you just stay single for a little while instead of jumping from girl to girl, and he said he didn't like to spend time with himself, and I wasn't in self-help at the time. I was an accountant at the time, right? I was a finance executive, but I was a little taken aback that um, he was self-aware that he didn't like spending time alone with himself. But he wasn't willing to take that step to investigate why or, or maybe change it. So what the book, The Big Leap, does first, it's, it explains what your upper limit problem is. It asks you some questions to, so that you can commit to yourself that are you willing to look at yourself and, um, and make some changes to get. What you want. It talks about your about the leap itself because you are leaping from one level to another, which sounds really cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, people talk about baby steps. I'm like baby steps, baby steps. Let's just jump, um, which I have done in my life. If you know some of my life story, you know I've taken a few leaps. But also, it talks. Then it gets some into some specifics. So, um, are you willing? One of the questions he asked, I actually wrote it down because I thought it was interesting. Are you willing to increase the amount of time every day that you feel good? And that's not feel good because like I just bought something and I have that momentary feel good. That's not feel good because I just had a really good chocolate bar. (laughs) You know, am I loving for chocolate? It's something internal, like you just feel good inside and you can just hang out there. Some of us have an avoidance to that. And it sounds counterintuitive. You're like, why wouldn't you want to feel good all the time? But we do. If you stop and take a look, we do get to that point where we're like, oh, something, I'm feeling good. Watch out that some tree is going to fall on me. And another question, how much love and abundance are you willing to allow in your life? Do you think you deserve it? I mean, we all do. Everyone does. 100%. Everyone deserves as much love and abundance as can flow to you, but do you let it? Because I have seen it where you don't think you deserve it. So you sabotage it. You stop it. It's an upper limit problem. And um, how are you getting in your own way? And the, I mean, I've talked about this before, the, the stages that I, there's a lot, people talk about stages of change, but the, to just boil it down, the three things you need is one, you need to be aware that there's something that you're doing that's sabotaging yourself. Two, so awareness, that's a pretty big step. When you see it, you can't unsee it. I've had that happen a few times in my life where I saw something, it's like crap, now I can't unsee it. So now I have to do something about it. So awareness is number one. Two, You have to decide to do something. You can be aware of it and ignore it and let it kind of just float around and annoy you all the time with that, the thing you can't unsee anymore. Um, So you have to decide to do it. And then sometimes the hardest step is doing it. So you can decide to do it like uh, all your New Year's resolutions, whatever they are, everything time you decide to change something. I'm totally going to do this now. So you've decided But it takes um, consistent, constant action to make the change. So you have to act. You have to actually do it. You can't just talk about it. I know several people who say, yes, I should do that. Or I could do that. Or I'm planning on doing that. All of those are future. All of those are not happening. All of those will probably never happen. If you don't say, I am doing it now. Or I just did it. You have to do it or it won't change anything. And he uses, he has um, some really interesting examples of hidden barriers. Um, and you've probably heard of them referred to in other contexts. Um, if you If you've read enough self-help books or listened to enough podcasts. So some of the hidden barriers are feeling fundamentally flawed. And you can see that people throw around imposter syndrome like nobody's business these days. Everybody's got imposter syndrome. You know, what if you fail? I'm not good enough. Uh, I've seen it in so many contexts. I I can't even grab onto a single one right now. But if you feel fundamentally flawed, of course, if things are going well, you're going to think this is obviously wrong. They've got the wrong person. And you're going to do something even subconsciously that's going to set you back to where you were before. There's also fear, I mean, there is a fear of success. And he refers to it as disloyalty or abandonment. If I'm super successful, will they kick me off the island? You know, you live in this certain uh, group of people, relationships, family, friends, job, et cetera, a neighborhood, what if you are super successful? Are people going to suddenly um, not like you anymore? They're going to break up with you. They're going to kick you off the island. We we are hardwired to be in rela- in community because it helps us survive. That's what helped us survive as we were evolving. So we do have that um, instinctual fear of uh, getting kicked out of the out of the club, and you can see it pretty much everywhere. Just go back to high school. <laughs> that's where you, that's where we were all, you know, learned many lessons of survival in life. So we, and, you know, if you look at your family history, you know, if you are more successful than the rest of your family, are they going to think of you differently? Are they going to treat you differently? Are you going to be the outcast suddenly? It's a real fear, even if you don't acknowledge it. It simmers in the background for a lot of people. So think about people who are super successful right now. Um, and we, even I do this, see them as different than the rest of us, even though they have to eat, they have to sleep, they have to go to the bathroom. Probably they take showers. I don't know. Maybe they don't. But they are humans. They're just have more money. Big, big whoopee do. Right. Um, I think about uh, Richard Branson, and I'm trying to think of rich people. (laughs) All of them, even movie stars, we see them as different than us. And and then we take joy, which I find, I've always found a bit disconcerting. We take joy when we see that they've crashed. We're like, well, I always think, well, that's them showing their upper limit problem. And why is that a good thing? Why can't we stop doing the crabs in the bucket where we pull each other down and instead lift each other up. That's just a side thought. That wasn't, I don't think that was in the book. But yes, so (laughs) hidden barriers. I'm easily distracted. You know, you know, you know me by now. I'm so easily distracted. So feeling fundamentally flawed, disloyalty, abandonment, more success. Some people think more success is more burden. It's like, I've got enough on my plate right now i can't be more successful i can't handle more success but i can remember and i can't remember who it was who said this because i've listened to so much and i've read so much but this successful person said uh everybody well the buddha said he's pretty he was pretty successful at what he did the buddha said at one point everybody has i think is 87 problems i'll have to go back and check my numbers everybody has x number of problems and if you worry about the number of problems you have, then you have 88. So if you, everybody has 87 problems and you worry about your problems, then you have 88. Instead, just know that I don't, maybe problems was a poor translation. Everybody has stuff they're working on. And that's pretty cool because if you didn't, you'd be bored out of your tree and you can claim that you wouldn't be. But I know the majority of humans need to be engaged and need to be thinking and doing and something. So if you think that more success is a bigger burden, well, let me tell you, it's not because everybody has the same number of problems, (laughs) according to the Buddha. But if you become successful, you just have different problems. So there was someone rich and famous at one point said, yes, everybody's got problems. Rich people have problems. Poor people have problems. Rich people just have better problems. They don't have to worry about where, where they're eating and sleeping. They worry about other things. I don't know what that is. I'm going to get, I'm, I'm working my way up to have better problems. Um, and then another hidden barrier is he calls the crime of outshining. And how, I mean, it's I see it as related to the other ones as well. How often do you, even if, if you were, if you see gifted children in a family, and the other children might become resentful if they if too much attention is paid to one child or a child prodigy. Everybody, you know, looks at them and says they're so amazing and they're so good. And they try to downplay it. Even as children, you can see them trying to downplay it because at some point someone has said to them, you can't be better than everyone else. Don't make everybody feel bad because you're so good. Now, You don't, yes, you'll make others feel less than you. So you have to turn down your brightness. And I think what we don't recognize is if someone feels bad. So if, let's say, you know, my best friend was outstanding, she could sing like a bird. I'm, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. So she was super skilled and she was super famous and super sought after singing after for singing. I would not want that person to downplay how good she was because she thinks that I would feel bad. And if I do feel bad, that is me. That is not her. That is that is my responsibility to recognize that. I feel fundamentally flawed, obviously, going back to the other one. And it's a a different way to think of it. If you feel something, if you feel someone has caused something, like, you know, you made me so angry. They didn't make you angry. You have the power to choose whether you're angry or not. So someone being successful doesn't make you feel bad. That person did not make you feel bad. You feel bad. And that's okay. That's a recognition of something going on for you. But don't blame the other person. So don't ask someone amazing to turn down their shine. But that is a hidden barrier. To That's when people will turn down what they do because they don't want they don't want to eke out of that zone because uh, it'll shine too much light on them. And oh my gosh, what if they failed? Because then the National Enquirer would jump all over them and say, look at them fail. And they'd be splashed all over the place. So a good spot, and then another thing. So those are your hidden barriers. I'm just peeking at my notes here. So he does give you exercises and reflective, reflective. Pardon my mouth tripping over itself. Reflective thought um, questions to help you identify for you. I mean, all we we're it's it's to do with our inner world, right? So we are, I say it all the time in my classes, you are the master of your domain. But I don't know that people really stop to say, yeah, I I get to choose. I get to choose how I want to be in the world, how I want to react in the world, how successful I want to be. Because we have been trained, basically, that it's everything outside of us that affects us. The, oh, woe is me, I can't believe this traffic. Look what it's doing to my day. I can't believe this happened to my, and what it's doing to me. And that's actually not, you know, people don't get into traffic accidents to screw up your day. I, yes, it does have an impact on you. But, and I even had a, um, a relationship at one point where this person actually said to me that, because I was, apparently I wasn't good at it. He said Uh, he said, it's all an external locus of control was how he referred to it. Everything that's bad is because of something outside of you. I said, nah, and I, I didn't, I don't think I said anything at the time because I just couldn't really fathom how that could be. But in this person's opinion, everything that bad that happened to them or all feelings that they had, had to do with something outside of them when it's not, 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 it's whatever is inside of you. And that might be sound a bit harsh, because um, oh, there's pushback on that for sure. But it's actually freeing, because then you can do something. If it's outside of you, you, you can't do anything about it. If it's because of a a preconceived notion, or if it's because of an experience that you've had that's been stored, go back and listen to the episode with the hypnotherapist, right? If it's something in your subconscious that you don't even know is there that's sabotaging you, you can change it. How exciting is that? You can change it. And one of the things that he gives you some tools to spot um, when the upper limit problem is coming in. So there's that awareness that, oh my gosh, I probably have an upper, everybody has them. And even when you start working on one, you know, it'll try to reemerge in different ways. But if you're worrying about something, that's a sign of maybe an upper limit problem coming in. Like you're trying to, if you're worrying about it, um, you might be trying to stop yourself from being successful. So he has a couple of questions like, you know, is it actually a real possibility this thing that you're worrying about? real possibility? Cause we can imagine any myriad of things. We're very imaginative people. You could imagine, oh my gosh, <laughs> the worst case scenarios, but is it real? And is there an action that you can take right now that will have a positive, make a positive difference on it? Right. So if like, why waste your time worrying if it's nothing you can do about it and you can't impact it and it might not even happen. Like I could sit here and worry about um, what if I go outside and get by a bus and that could stop me from ever going outside. But in reality, what are the odds that that's going to happen? I'm pretty good at looking both ways, all of those things. So worrying might be how your upper limit shows, its, shows itself. Um, criticism and blame. Maybe if you catch yourself criticizing or blaming for something outside of you, Maybe it's actually you not taking responsibility for your thoughts and ideas and feelings. Are you deflecting? Oh, no, that wasn't me. Oh, yeah, no, I was. So I did my 110-kilometer paddle, and I was deflecting. I, it took me 19 hours of kayaking to get to the finish line, and I did catch myself. And I'm still catching myself deflecting the fact that I actually did that. And I don't know why but uh cuz i haven't totally finished my work on that yet but i was people were saying that i was a badass and i was saying no no i'm not a badass that's why last week's podcast was called on being a badass because i was trying to say yes okay it was pretty epic that was pretty hard and i did it and it's okay because i'm not putting anyone else down by saying that i did it deflecting squabbling Do you get into, another one is squabbling. Do you get into random arguments for no reason? Um, Do you pick fights? You know, some days you're just feeling a little cranky. Yes, I know sometimes it's hormones, friends, I get it. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just like, I'm feeling too good. I better fight with someone. Before you fight with someone, before you say something nasty, really reflect, where is that coming from? What's what's that all about? And it can't just be, because I feel like it. Um, sometimes, and it's true, sometimes you get sick or you get hurt to prevent something, um, or to, it's almost like a protective mechanism because it thinks, oh, she's getting too successful. I think it was Kenny Loggins. He's, he told the story about, I think it was Kenny Loggins who was becoming so successful that he lost his voice because he was becoming too successful. Um, and he he refers to the three Ps, punishment, prevention and protection. So when you get hurt, or you get sick, it's like, your body's like, she's not listening. So we've got to do something physical to her to prevent something bad happening, protect her, um, and maybe punish her for being too good. Which sounds crazy, I know. But we do, we're humans, we do, or do we do weird things to ourselves. So all in all, I'm gonna say, the book is a good read. It will give you stories to help you see in yourself some of your behaviors. And oh, one other thing that he does is, I forgot this one, he, he at the end, because it was near the end, um, he has this thing called Einstein time, where he's trying to teach you how to not be a victim of time. You have all the time, you create the time. You are not a victim of the time, and there's a process to to switch your thinking around that. You know, watch how many how many times do you say there's not enough hours in the day? Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Oh, I keep I'm losing time, or where did the time go? Um, and it's I think it's I think it's a bit of a mindfulness technique of Are you paying attention to where you spend your thoughts and your time in all of this upper limit pro- problem? Where are you spending your time thinking? What are you thinking? Can you hear the way you're speaking about it? And are you choosing where you're spending your time? And even if you have a job where people book meetings, you can still choose. You It's still your choice. It may not always seem like your choice, but it's always your choice where your time is spent. So my question for you, are you willing to take a hard look. And if you want something different, go through the book, answer. I borrowed it from the library. You don't even have to buy it if you don't want to. It's at the library. Um, Go through the questions and answer them. Take some time. You are the master of your domain. You are the master of your calendar. You are the master of your time. Take some time and really think about what goes on inside your head. And Are you the person blocking you from what it is that you want? And I know for myself, that kind of exercise, it's hard for me to sit down and do that. Even though I've been doing self-help for a long, 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 long time, um, the way that my brain works maybe, the way that I process information is... um, I can't always sit and settle and answer questions. Some people can. And um, that's a superpower that I'll continue to work towards, but I can't always do it. So for me, I need to talk it out. And for me, that's what I use my coach for actually, is conversations, not even just coaches, coaches, my coach, friends, trusted colleagues, people who I feel like I can talk to, my partner, having conversations about things that are percolating around in my head and um, the thoughts that come to me, realizations that I have. And for me, talking it out loud and then reflecting on it later helps me process the information. So knowing how you best process and how you best do um, figure things out, then that will help you. But definitely go through the book, maybe get a pad of paper or a Fancy journal. If you like fancy journals, write the questions down, think about them. If you need to talk about them with someone, find someone you can talk about them with. As you know, I am a coach and I love talking to people and helping them. And that, I mean, the purpose of the podcast is to help you with resources to help you find new ways of thinking and find, um, help you on your upward journey to glorious success, whatever that looks like for you and if i can help you along that way in any way with the podcast with coaching with anything i am here for you my friends and that is the first edition of our monthly book chat yahoo and i hope you're having an amazing week i can't remember who's coming up next week (laughs) i'll have to check the calendar but i did want to say if you have not yet listened Because there's still time. If you haven't listened to Rebecca Saltzman's episode on um, decluttering and de-stressing by decluttering, go back and have a listen to that. Because you can win a prize, my friends. You have until Canadian Thanksgiving, which is, looking at my calendar, October the 10th. You have until Canadian Thanksgiving to jump on to that. And all you have to do is give me some likes and comments and we'll be entered into the prize. Uh, There we go. That's it for this week. I hope you have an amazing weekend whenever you're listening to this. And take my take good care, my friends. I hope to see you again soon. Hi, my friend. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you found it useful and you're like me and you like, like helping others, please feel free to share this. Just give it a like give it a comment. If you found something useful in it, there's a chance that someone else will find something useful as well. Also, if you have any questions at all, I can absolutely help and I would love to help. You can email me at heather at prosperityflowcoaching.com. If you want more of this awesome content, you can follow me on Instagram, Heather Stewart Coaching. You can follow me on Facebook, Coaching. And I have a personal request. I want to help as many people as I can with these podcasts. And if you could give me a review, hopefully a good one, if you could share, if you could send this out into the world, I would truly appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing day. And I hope that you find your way to wellness by getting back to me. Take care, my friend.